Evening, Oikos Church. Okay, it's, it's really good to be back with you all um, after two weeks with not seeing you. Um, and for those of you who don't know me, my name's Vindo, or you can call me Dexter. And tonight I want to title my talk, What is Love? Now, if that tune comes in your head right about now, like you know that tune, What is Love? <laughs> then my sermon title is Doing Its Job. What is love? Now, the word love gets thrown around so much these days, and it can get pretty confusing on what it really actually means. Because I have people who come into, you know, come to me because they're so heartbroken. And as a pastor, I gotta, I gotta hear them out, I gotta counsel them, I'm gonna try to comfort them. And, and, and they would tell me, <laughs> but I love her, man. She played me, bro. And in my head, I'm thinking, dude, you're 12. <laughs> True story. Shouldn't even be dating till you finish grade 12. Love. It's arguably one of the most wanted things in this life. The rich seeks for it and the poor seeks for it. Kids who grow up without a loving family can become quite dysfunctional and also destructive to society. Love. It's one of the most major theme of our existence, have you not noticed? Just look at our, our songs, on the, on, look at our pop culture, all our harmonies and all our melodies. If you have half a voice and you know someone who can put a beat together and some instruments together and you sing some distantly concept that relates to love, you can become a pretty wealthy person. Like Ed Sheeran, Taylor Swift, Justin Bieber... In my days, it was the Backstreet Boys. Backstreet Backs, all right, yeah. What is love? Now, before we go into the definition that the Bible gives about love, would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we pray that you send your Holy Spirit. Help us to experience this love that is expressed through your Son. And in His name, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, growing up, I had a very traditional father, a traditional Asian father. And, and when my sister was only in year five, I kid you not, he tried to arrange a marriage for her. Now, this was to the son of the pastor, um, a Vietnamese church, son of the pastor of the Vietnamese church that our family used to go to. And he would try to, like, okay, so the pastor and my dad, they had some sort of deal and shook their hands, the dowry, everything, like you name it. And the son of the pastor, he was like my best friend. He was, he was awesome. Everyone loves him. I work so well with him. I do all these type of ministry with him. We want to, we want to plant churches together in the future. And man, I, was, I would love for him to be my brother-in-law. And I kid you not, my, my dad, growing up, seeing my dad, he will, he will come up to Anthony and he will say, hey, Anthony, here's 50 bucks to take my daughter out to movies or something. And I'm like, dad, you can't do that. Give me the 50 bucks. <laughs> but the sad thing was they never got together. There was no chemistry. There was no spark between them. 
Now, out of this experience, what this taught me was it's like evangelism. I can set up dates with you with God. I can tell you how awesome and good and beautiful God is. I can introduce you to God. But at the end of the day, for you to love God or not, I can't do that. That choice is yours tonight. And tonight, I'm going to try my best to convince you how good and how loving God is. To do that, would you travel back with me, back to when time first started? In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, He spoke creation into existence. All the trees, the bees, the birds, the different types of plants and animal herds, and the sea and land, everything went according to His perfect plan. And God said, that was good. Now, the only thing that God didn't speak into existence was man. What he did to man was he, he, he got the dust of the dirt and he molded man into his holy image. He breathed life into man and God named him Adam. Now, why did God create Adam? It was for God to love Adam. It was for God to have a relationship with Adam and it's for Adam to love him. And then God looked at his creation he created a garden for Adam, a home for him, gave him pets and lots of pets. But the only thing that God looked at his creation project and the only thing that he said wasn't good was for man to be alone. And so God knocked Adam out cold, put him to sleep, <laughs> did some surgery on Adam, took out a rib, and in return gave Adam Eve. And when Adam woke up, the first thing he said was, Wow, man. <laughs> she was naked, but it was a good thing back then. It was very enticing for Adam. And man and woman became the centerpiece of God's grand masterpiece. And God said, This is very, very good. <laughs> Can you see, church, why do we want to be loved and to love? It's because we're beings of love. It's in our DNA. It's in our wiring. It's in our system. It's, it, hence, this attraction, this pull, this magnetic draw, this idea we have, this concept of love. Everyone wants it. Everyone is searching for it. If we look in today's culture, everyone, again, is, is searching for love. Notice how online, there's this thing called online dating site that has exploded throughout the decade. It's not the best place to find love, but Tinder, eHarmony, Zooks, whatever those places are. There's lots of people on there. And people watch shows thinking it's all romantic shows and that gets very high rating. People will put their hands and sign themselves up for these shows to look for love. Shows like... The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. The truth is we all want love, but where, where does it come from? I'll tell you where it comes from. It comes from God. God whom does not just love, but is love. This is what it says in 1 John 4 verse 8. It's not something that he has, but who he is. Not something that he does, but it's his very character and nature. And God 
the Almighty wants this loving relationship with humanity. But then man sinned. And this caused us to be separated from God. Now there was this, this gap, this, this chasm. And 750 years before God sends Jesus to bridge that gap, there lived a prophet by the name of Hosea. Now Hosea, he was a prophet of God, meaning everything he said became legit. It became true. Now he, he was a respectable man and he had a good reputation. And then suddenly one day Hosea wakes up and he gets one of the most craziest assignments from God. And God says, here's your assignment, Hosea. Go take for yourself an adulterous wife. Now for all the single young men in here, I know you have a list of the perfect waifu. <laughs> Proverbs 31. She's going to be cute. She's going to laugh at my jokes. She, she should know how to cook for me. And... But to have an adulterous wife on your tick list? Nah. But that's what God says to Isaiah. Can someone turn the aircon on to cold? Because it's the, I'm dying from the heat. <laughs> Go, marry an adulterous wife, Hosea. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Lord. What? L let me rephrase that, Hosea. Go marry a harlot, a promiscuous woman. Go marry a prostitute. What? And I want you to have kids with her. And Hosea just goes, all right. And he goes and does so. And God instills in Hosea this genuine love. He, he's not just doing it because he has to, because God told him to. No, no. What actually happens, if you read the, the little book of Hosea, he actually genuinely loves her. Because God instilled him to do so. And so he, he marries this, this goma, this, this prostitute. Now this was symbolic. This was symbolic for what the nation of Israel is going through. The season that they're going through, everything is well off. Everything is peaceful. Everything is pretty good for them. But their search for love seems very dysfunctional. It seems very destructive and it's alarmingly similar to the culture that we now live in. I remember going home from work. I used to be a waiter for like six years and I, I, I went home from work because... And, and I turned on the TV, and there it was, the show, You Think You Can Dance. Anybody seen that show? Old show. And so I turned on the TV, and there was these two couples on the TV, and they were dancing the tango or the mango or something. <laughs> and I was just so impressed I was hypnotized. I was mesmerized by the moves that they were breaking out on this dance floor. It was like, oh, I, don't, <laughs> I can do the dance move now because it's not going to be recorded. It's just on podcast. We don't have the video. But man, the, the way that the partners moved, they, it seems like they were floating on clouds. Like they, they, they were like, they were just so smooth. All these crazy moves that I can't even mimic to you guys. And he ends it off with lifting her up in the air and they freeze. 
And man, I was so astonished. I was so astounded, so astronaut. <laughs> I was like, wow, if I wasn't a pastor, I would go on esports and bet on this couple. I had that confidence in them that they were going to win this show's hands down. But when it was the judge's turn to, to give the verdict, this is what they said in a British accent. That was absolutely rubbish. <laughs> and they gave all the reason that all the other judges chimed in. Your feet were too wide. Your steps were horrible. Your posture wasn't right. That was a disgrace to the tango. And I'm like, like what? No way. Hosea. <laughs> you thought I was going to say Jose, hey. <laughs> But one word. One word that could describe that situation of mine was standards. Our standards were different. They being the professional and I'm being an amateur, of course our standards going to dif be different. Their standards is way higher than my standards can ever be. The world's standard and God's standard is very different. They are worlds apart. And let me give you a little example of the world's standard. Anyone know who uh, Kim Kardashian is? <laughs> Keeping up with the Kardashians, I see. Now before, now before Kim Kardashian was with Kanye, or Yeezy, whatever you want to call him, she was with this basketballer named Chris Humphreys. And they were getting married. And before them, the wedding and everything, Kim had this interview with this interview. And it went something along these lines. Kim, why are you marrying Chris? And this is what she says. Oh, because I love him with all of my heart. Now, they had a grand wedding and all. It was showcased on national TV. And Kim even released her own perfume brand to coincide with the wedding called Kim Kardashian's Love. But only 72 days after the marriage, she filed for divorce. And now the interviewer came back and, and asked her, why, Kim, why are you leaving him? And this is what she says. My love left, so I had to leave with it. <laughs> the world had reduced love down to a mere feeling. Hence why we have so many couples in this world struggle in their relationship. I just don't feel it. I just don't love him and her anymore. I just don't feel it. The butterflies are gone and all that is left is a churning feeling inside my stomach. The, the feeling when you drink off milk. <laughs> love is not a feeling. And as you read... Through the book of Hosea, it's more, I recommend you go home and you read it yourself. The people, they had in mind this concept that where love can be purchased. They saw love as something that you can buy. It's not, but that's how they saw it. They also love as a pursuit of self-gratification. That's not love, but that's how they saw it. They desire for love, which was God-given But they were searching for it. They were purchasing it and just pleasing themselves. And also, they also 
spoke about how they love inanimate objects. Now that one kind of hit close to home, doesn't it? Have you not said, I love my phone. I love my car. I love my Yeezy shoes because they're a thousand bucks. I love bubble tea. I've said it. You said it. Look, there's no condemnation in here. The people in that time, they also believe that love is about something that you can benefit from. Now, there was this really old Jewish rabbi who goes by the name of Abraham Sawatsky. I butchered that name. Yeah. He says today's culture, he talks about today's culture and he asks this young man, young man, why are you eating that fish? The young man said, because I love fish. Oh, you love fish. So that's why you took it out of its water, you killed it and you boiled it. No, no, don't tell me that you love fish. You love yourself because the fish tastes good to you. That's why you took it out of the water and killed it and boiled it and eat it. So much of today's love is fish love. Now, what he means is, is a selfish type of love where when you're marrying someone, you marry this girl because she is going to fulfill your, your stomach. She's going to fill your physical needs and your emotional needs. And girls, when you marry guys, it's because he's rich and he's stable. And God recognized this and he says, man, my kids, they, they got it all wrong. They're trying to find love in other gods and other idols and stuff and, and what the world offers. The world has fooled them. They're never going to find anything there. They're never going to find any fulfillment there, any, any loving, true love there. They don't even know what love really is anymore. So you know what? I must demonstrate my love for them. So he tells Hosea, Hosea, find yourself a prostitute and marry her. And so Hosea does. They have one kid, they have two kids, they have three kids. They have, they've been married for a while now. And then one day Hosea wakes up and he's looking for his wife. Goma, where is you? Where is you at? No reply. And he's searching around the house. He's looking in the, the, the kitchen. He's looking in the bedrooms. He's looking in the backyard. He even looks in the toilet. Nothing. So you must be thinking, oh, she, she must have gone out. How long did he wait? Was it a few hours? Was it a few days? Was it a few weeks? Until it finally dawns on him. Oh, she left. She left me and she left the kids. She's gone. She's abandoned the whole family. Hosea is now a single dad and as a prophet of God leading the nation of Israel, the weight of all that burden, this brings us to Hosea chapter 3 verse 1. And I want you to see Hosea chapter 3 verse 1. It says, Then the Lord said to me, Go, Hosea. What? Go find her. Love this woman who's been loved by another lover right now who's committing adultery. So as we speak right now, she is cheating on you. She is in bed with another man. But you, you go find her. 
You find her, Hosea. Because this is just like the love of the Lord for Israel. I love her. Now where it says Israel, it actually means Israel, but it also prophetically speaks of how God's love for the whole world. Go find her. This, this is like my love for the children who, of Israel who loves other God and their, and their raisin cakes. In other words, my kids, they love the things of the world, the stuff of the world, the possession of the world, in which they think it's all about pleasing themselves. They're trying to love, find love, meaning and purpose in that, but they won't find it. That's why I'm sending you to find her. Go, Hosea. Go find her. Judah Smith the American preacher who, who really inspired me to write this sermon. He comments on this whole process of, of Hosea looking for Goma was a heart-wrenching one. As you look for your wife, who was a former prostitute, who is now back into prostitution, where do you go looking for her, friends? How painful would that search be? Where do you start? How painful is that pursuit? Knowing that she's cheating on him at this very moment. As he walked through these streets, streets where everyone has been telling him, you don't go towards those neighborhoods. That's the red light district. That's where, that's the den of where all the thugs have gathered. You don't go there. But this pursuit This search leads a man of God to a place where he stands out. He is called out and the people shout out, Hey, aren't you Hosea? Aren't you the leading prophet of God of Israel? Aren't you leading that nation? What are you doing here? Then there was murmuring and and whispering and mocking. Ah, look, yeah, he he ain't so righteous after all, is he? What a hypocrite. He he tries to live this, you know, this holy life and look where he is. Hosea's reputation would have been down the drain. His honor stained. Yet he does not care what people have thought because he has finally found the one whom he sought. Look at verse two. So I bought her. I bought her for myself 15 shekels of silver and about half a homer and a lethic of barley. Now back in those days, to buy back a slave, it's around 30 pieces of silver. But Hosea, he only has half as much. He only has 15 pieces of silver. And so he goes home and he's gathering everything he could, every scrap, every garage sale, just to, just to cover the cost for Goma. And he pays for her. Now at this point, I'm reading this. I'm like, wait. Wait, Hosea, wait, wait, wait. She's not worth it, bro. Just let it go. Look at what she's done to you. If, if this was me, if, if I can be honest with you all. Let it go, man. She's not worth it. And, and Hosea, why are you paying for her? Isn't she already yours? Now, what would that exchange be like? As Goma is back into the sex slave industry, 
What chance is that Goma finds herself chained naked on a pedestal being weighed to be sold to the highest bidder? Everyone saw that Goma was just a whore. But Hosea's, in Hosea's eyes, she was his all. What Hosea sees is, is his woman, his wife, the mother of his three kids. And he goes up to her pimp and he says, Ex- excuse me, sir. That's my wife. And the pimp replies, sir, I don't care who you think she is. This is her price. But I, but I, what's her price? And he pays for what is already his. I hope you understand that Hosea is a picture of God. And no offense, you and I are a picture of Goma. The Bible says that the the earth is the fullness thereof. Mankind is the unique possession of the creator God. But yet 2,000 years ago, he paid a dear price. He sends his son to spill his blood to pay the price upon a cross. And Hosea says, how much? Hosea gets the money. Now, what would that exchange mean like? Now, put yourself into Gomer's shoes as you're chained and shackled and and you're naked. Is that, is that Hosea? I, I, I don't want him to see me like this. I'm, I'm all bruised and battered and my makeup's not on. I look like a mess and I don't want him to see me like this. What, what is, what is he doing? Why, why, is he in, why is he in a place like this? Why is he giving money? He, he wants to exchange for me? When I have been unfaithful to him time and time again, when I left him, when I abandoned the kids, when I left the family, he's still paying for me. I don't deserve this. He still desires me. And as Hosea pays the fee and and comes to her to free her, as she would have looked into his very eyes, there weren't eyes of disgust. There weren't eyes of, of anger and of wrath. No, their eyes were loving, burning with passion. Other men wanted to buy her to use her. Hosea wanted to buy her to heal her. Now let's see what verses 3 says. Hosea then says, You are to live with me for many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man, and I will live with you. In other words, I forgive you. You stay with me now. I'm going to be the same towards you. Now, Hosea is raised to be the shadow of Christ's coming. And by the way, Hosea's name means salvation. And the name Goma means completion, an end of a process. Now, before Jesus came 750 years later, 
God was already prophesying. God was already preaching. God was already declaring his gospel to his people. That salvation will be completed despite what you and I have done. Despite how far we have gone. Don't you see when Hosea searched for his wife, Jesus came searching for the salvation of humanity. And by the way, when God found you, you were not so neat, tidy and and put together and have it all together. No, you were in chains, you were naked and so was I. And our gracious God says, how much? How much? And they say, the blood of your son. And only then can humanity advert the wrath and justice that is rightfully on their heads. And God says, very well, very well, you can have my son. Now this is love. The core of love biblically is the act of pursuing. When you love someone, you pursue them. Amagoma, Yoragoma. Jesus is on the pursuit. Jesus is on the chase. No matter how far you have gone, no matter what you have done, he will come for you. When the gospel dawns on you, you realize I'm an, I am infinitely lost, but I am infinitely valued. I'm infinitely treasured. And he will do everything to bring me back. Now, this is so different from all other religions. Because all other religions will tell you, you need to fix yourself up. You need to be clean. You need to be holy. You need to be presentable. You need to be smarter. You need to be better. You got to do this. You got to do that. And maybe if you do all this stuff on the checklist, maybe, only a maybe, God would then maybe love you. But this is not our good news. Because our good news, our gospel, it says that his love is extravagant. His love is excessive. His love is prodigal. His love is sacrificial. His love is unconditional. God doesn't want to better you. God just wants you. God just wants you. To the sex slave owner, there was a profit to be made. Never the least, No matter the cost, the price was paid. And Christ paid that cost on the cross. Now, this is my job. My job is to tell you about the meaning of the cross. Not a cross that hangs on someone's wall or around someone's neck. No, no, I'm talking about the cross of Christ. A blood-stained cross. Crude, cold. Now, many people may have negative reactions to this cross, but this is the truth. And even if they can't handle this, I'm still going to give it to you. That he loves you and that he's willing to forgive all, I say all of your sins. As I look down here, what do I see? I see people with various needs. I see very aesthetic people. But I see each one of you as objects of God's love. He loves you so much that he's willing to send his, down, his boy down to die for you, his boy to endure the mocking, the torturing. We deserve the cross. We deserve the wrath. We deserve the death. And we deserve hell. One reason why the cross is so offensive to people is because it doesn't suggest it demands. 
It demands a change of lifestyle in all of us. Sin is a disease. Sins are like chains that binds us down, bounds us down. It's a slave owner. It corrupts our minds. It, it darkens our hearts. It, it binds us and it blinds us. Who can help us? Who can help us? Who can set us free? Because we can't. We can't set ourselves free. But our Hosea has come. God has come. Jesus, he's our Hosea, has come. How much? What was the cost? Hosea paid with money, but Christ paid the cross by letting the nails beat him, whip him, mock him, spit on him, put nails into his hands, his feet, and put a crown of thorns on his head. Now, that wasn't the true suffering. That wasn't the only thing that was placed upon him. No, upon him was the sin of the world. And he cries out on that cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now that's because of your sin. That was because of my sin. That was of our sin. God the Father, at that point, turned away from His Son. And at that very point, they were separated. They were separated. But that chasm, that gap that we had, that separated us from the Father, was then no more. Because Christ was that bridge. Because Christ sealed that void. Why? Why church? Why Oikos church? It's because to bring us home. I want to talk a little bit about blood, how the Old Testament talks about blood. In the Old Testament, when it talks about blood, it talks about life. And the Bible also talks about, for without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Now on that cross, Christ shed His blood. Now when you take the blood away, you know what Christ was doing on that cross? You ready? Christ was giving you His life for you to be forgiven, for you to have life and life to the brim, life eternal. That's what He was giving you. Now I don't know about you, but, but every time I look at that cross, I think to myself, I'm not worth it, Lord. Why are you still coming after me? I, I don't deserve this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for all the things I've done. I'm sorry for all the things I didn't do. But you are still on pursuits of me. But I'm a, I look at myself. I'm a sinner. I'm dirty. I'm unfit. I'm unclean. I'm wretched. Why do you still want me? Why do you still desire me? Why do you want me in your presence? But when I look at the cross, I see God's love for me. I see Jesus with open arms ready to embrace me. Because of my affair, it has brought about my very despair. 
Oh, the sins that I've accumulated, it is not something I can bear. But despite my lack of loyalty, Christ treats me as His royalty. When I was lost, Christ paid the cost. There is nothing that I can bring, but all I can do is cling to my King of Kings and under His loving wings. Yes, death, death has lost its thing. And that's why my now, my soul now sings.